Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to On the Continent at the World Cup. I'm Dalton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. On this World Cup edition, Spain, Germany, Japan or Costa Rica, who will make it out of the group that has more twists than Chubby Checker? Also, how did Belgium's golden generation become the fear of losing generation? And how come the footballing geriatrics of Croatia's midfield are fearless? And when Portugal meet Uruguay, will they be the first team since 2014 to score against them in the group stage? Before we begin, very quickly, I know you guys will agree that what happens in Qatar stays in Qatar, but I understand you two had a date in the desert on a horse of no name. Andy, what happened? <laughs> Well, the last time I saw Miguel before this, uh, we were both uh, getting onto a media bus with very few seats um, <laughs> on, on, the, on the way back from Albaite, which is, of course, the northernmost venue where we were both watching Spain versus Germany last night. All I can say is it was a relief to see Miguel pop up on here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, uh, it's, 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 it's one of the things they, um, I'm in a World Cup of many actual serious controversies and more mundane ones that affect journalists. This is one thing that is, is running quite well. The shuttle's actually sort of run straight away, yeah. That, that journey to Albaite is not, I mean, it, 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 it is amazing when you, when you go to Albaite, which is, of course, one of the main stadiums and will host games up to the semi-final. We, like, especially when you go in daylight and you just see it is a stadium with nothing around it for miles. I know you've got a date with Gareth Southgate very shortly, Miguel, so I won't prevaricate. Let's talk about this group with Spain, Germany, Japan and Costa Rica in it. For a moment, you thought the Germans were undone, but, well, Andy, they've got more twists, as I say, than let's twist again, like we did last summer. How, how did they get themselves in the hole they got themselves into with Japan? And then how did they get themselves out of it? Well, I, I think... But by the time we got to this game in, in Albaite, it was maybe a little bit less twisty. Even if they, they they went a goal down to Alvaro Morata, even if they were the second best team in this game, Germany, uh, because I, I felt they really did take lessons from from that Japan game, in which um, was as we were saying before, Dotton, like the most the, the most clear example of Germany in 2022 there was. You know, they they played pretty well for a good section of, of, of that game, created lots of chances, didn't take them, 
they just weren't good enough in both boxes. You know, they they didn't take the chances and then defended very poorly. Nico Schlotterbeck obviously ended up paying the bill for that. As I was saying, I don't think it was entirely his fault, but you know, he was left out of the the game. I remember trying to talk to him as he he left the um, the, the dressing room last night. You know, there's the mix zone where it's, it's the, the the area just to clear up where the players leave the dressing room. They're on their way out and you can stop them and talk to them or, or not, as the case may be. And um, it, 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 like Schlotterbeck came out and I asked him if he'd stop for a word and he goes, no, no, it's, 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 been, it's been too bad, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, he was replaced in the lineup. But despite the fact they rejigged their defence, I don't know about you, Miguel, I thought... Like it's a Spain with a better team, there's no doubt about that. But Germany, as well as using their subs better, I thought they defended much better collectively than they did against Japan, not just the back four. Yeah, um, I mean, there was an element of kind of just Spain's technical brilliance against Germany's pure brute force and Musiala. Uh, I have to say, there was long periods in the game where it was just like the difference in how Spain played in terms of shape, in terms of their idea compared to Ger- to Germany, it was, it was a chasm. Well, um, I, 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 I think if, if Spain would say maybe a slightly more mature as a team, one or two areas fail, because they do have some weak links in the, in the first 11, uh, that could have been a bad result for Germany. But they did show pretty impressive resilience. Um, and I mean, overall, I suppose, it, like, it, overall, I think it was actually one of the higher quality games of the tournament, especially technically. Uh, and while I didn't think, think Germany were particularly good in it, I mean, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter, but if they get through this group, which now feels likely, it is the sort it is the sort of moment and the response that suddenly in a tournament causes a change that suddenly you know sparks a bit of a positive momentum. Things start to come together because and I mean you can see this with Argentina more than any other team. But in a tournament, given the kind of extreme pressure and how one slip can put you out, and especially with the, with the way people talk about um, modern teams. It does, it does feel like it can have these kind of disproportionate effects. Like it, it, it almost causes these immense doubts to spread through the camp that the, the effect of psychology is much deeper. So, But that also works the other way. And even kind of, uh, I was in the mix zone afterwards, you could feel that, uh, that, 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 that difference running through the, the German players. Yeah, well, unsurprisingly, perhaps, we've had a lot of interest in uh, the, well, both teams, both Spain and Germany in this group, but also in their matchup, as it were. Should Germany just play with a true number nine, says Daniel on Twitter? Is that what's missing? It's one of the things that's missing. Uh, uh, we were talking about them using the substitutions well and Hansi Flick using his, his substitutions well. Fulkrug coming on was, was really important. Um, I wanted to see both Fulkrug and Mokoko. Uh, you know, he's just turned 18, who I think can make an enormous impact on this World Cup. The way it's going for Germany, it feels like the closest Mukoko will come to making an impact in this World Cup, and of course he's been brilliant for Dortmund this season despite his tender age, will be if Germany are a goal down in the last 20 minutes of a last 16 match that they're going to end up losing and he gets thrown on for that with with Fulkrug. Um, But, you know, we've had a lot of talk about, you know, the the hot hand versus the, 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 the trusted faithful. I think... The, the Fulkrug's t- call-up is really interesting because 29 years old, not played for for the Germany full team since um, the, the a bit before the 
the, the games leading into the tournament where of, of course he, he played and scored against Oman um, in, in, in Muscat but he's, he's ready you can tell he's ready and I think the combination of him being in great form Bundesliga top scorer for, for, for Werder Bremen of course and the fact that he knows I've waited for this chance forever and this is my only opportunity to grasp it I, I think you really get that from him he's, he's a good finisher He's a good presence, which they really lacked in that first game because Havertz, you know, was really nondescript. I mean, both of these teams, Spain and Germany, went into this game with, without a proper striker in inverted commas. And to have that focal point in full crook, I mean, we saw him make a, a great run at the, the, the near post and didn't connect with the ball just, just before that. So he's making the right runs as well as being the presence. Um, as as Miguel says, Germany are lacking a lot of things collectively at the moment. And if they want to be that solid team, they, they globally lack the players to be that. Fulkrug, who's had an incredible battle to get here against injury, um, relegation, all sorts of stuff, finally getting here, being that sort of player and wanting to grasp the situation, I, I think is something that's very good for them. Yeah, as Andy's already touched on, Mikel, this matchup between Spain and Germany was arguably a tale of two centre forwards. You know, Andy's touched on one of them there from the German perspective. A decent article in uh, The Guardian, by the way, Andy, about full crew. But the other aspect of this is Morata um, for Spain, Mikel, the guy that is gagging to put goals in the back of the net for them. But he's still not really fully part of the first team, is he? Or at least the starting 11, I should say. It's not so much um, the tale of two centre forwards, it's the tale of adapting to lack of a cast iron centre forward. Uh, and both teams sort of work around that. And, and like one of them is with Murata, um, who is the only classic number nine in the Spanish squad, if a modern one. But the issue with Morata is he's just never been a guarantee of goals. And we almost saw the, the two sides of Morata last night where for the where his first moments, which is a brilliant finish, he didn't have time to think. It was instinctive. And we saw he brought all his quality to bear on that just because he didn't have a moment to consider. And then later on in the game, when Germany was starting to get a bit on top and Spain had a break, suddenly was, Morata was free coming into the box. And it, it was quite, I mean, it's a, maybe it's a little bit harsh to kind of pin on this, but even still, it, it is kind of indicative where rather than kind of show that bloody mind has gone direct, it's like he hesitated for a moment, tried to beat a player, lost the ball, and the chance was gone. Um, and it, it, it is why it almost feels like, and, and this was the case in Euro, Euro 2020, when he came on as a sub and scored against Italy, that Murat actually may be best used as an option off the bench rather than a Spain starter. Because I mean, when he's a starter as well, that seems to bring all sorts of heat on him, which gets to him more than, more than any players. He, he, he's certainly a player that he suffers from a fair bit of self-doubt, it does feeling, and chances mm. get to him. Yeah. Um, or missed chances get to him. Yeah, Andy, the question is, and I think Miguel's quite right to compare Spain at this World Cup to uh, the last Euros, but it's, the question still remains, given what Morata can do for Spain and what he's done, two goals in two games in this World Cup, it, it's, it seems like it's not rocket science what they need to do, is it? M maybe, but w when we think of... Like I, I think you can come away from this game because, as 
Miguel said that there are points in, in, in this game where you think that they're just light years ahead of Germany. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt going into the game like um, Spain were a team that, not, not a favourite for the competition, but ha- could have pretensions to win it. And Germany can only aspire to that for, 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 the, for the moment. Um, but if you were going to have a doubt about Spain, I, I think this game would have brought it back. You know, the sense that they can dominate but lack that ability to provide a knockout punch. And the fact is, Morata, over recent years, has been a part of that problem. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. As, as Miguel says, he's got everything. And when he scores a goal like he scored last night, you think, you know, why isn't he one of the best strikers in the world? I, I think because, you know, he can, he can hold up, he can run the channels, he can link play, he's quick. You know, he's got everything you could possibly need, really. And... And it doesn't quite produce it on a on, on a relentlessly regular basis. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd be open to starting with him going into going into the knockout rounds if I was if I was Luis Enrique. But um, yeah, there's there's something for them to think on. I think because whereas the changes worked well against the sort of demoralised Costa Rica where they're on top of things already, I didn't feel that. The changes really worked last night. Koke and Nico Williams didn't affect the game in the way he wanted them to on, on the counter-attack. And um, Germany's changes worked a lot better. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble.
One of the great things about a World Cup, I, I imagined even more so for you who are out there, is that it throws up all, all these backstories. Uh, there's, a, there's a tale of two golden generations, or at least two golden generations in this World Cup. I think Welsh fans will know uh, one of them, but the other golden generation is Belgium, of course. This question from Winston on Twitter. And do remember, you can get hold of us at any time during the course of the week on social media at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adibayo, at Andy Brassel and at Miguel Delaney. This question from Winston on Twitter says, would Belgium's golden generation have achieved more with a better manager? And just to put this into context, the manager, Roberto Martinez, says that their problem is their fear of losing. D- does that make sense to you, Miguel? I don't really know what he's getting at there, <laughs> to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think it needs to be friendly. I mean, first of all, yeah, of course Belgium would do better with Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. But managers like that don't want to manage in, in international football. And it's why kind of Luis Enrique and Hansi Flick kind of outliers in some way because just the circumstances of the career, of their career at this point have taken them to their national teams. Uh, and in that context, in the general context of the sort of coaches that work at World Cups and Euros now, Martina is actually one of the better managers. And I actually think, I mean, Belgium won't win a trophy with this generation now. Well, they, prob- they probably won't. It'll take a bit of a turn at this point. But it's a, I think the performance has generally actually been quite good under them. In 2018, they're one of the two best at a tournament. And only got beaten by the eventual champions in a game where France really locked it down and adapted to how Belgium play. And it was actually the same in Euro, 20, in Euro 2020 when the, the team that actually knocked them out were the eventual champions of Italy in one of the games of the tournaments. Um, so, I mean, and these, are, these ultimately come down to kind of 50-50 things. Throughout that period, between 2017 and, and the Euros itself, I think Belgium played some electric football. And now they're just old. <laughs> <laughs> as Kevin De Bruyne has said, uh, and as can be seen with the two centre halves. Uh, but I would actually defend Martinez a little bit on that because I think he, he's, for the most part, fashioned Belgium into a, they were really good side, or, or sorry, a side that were really really good to watch at their best. He was light years ahead of Wilmot, uh, and they didn't win. They win in their two, in their two proper campaigns under him. The only reason they didn't win a trophy was because of the, the thinnest of margins against the very best teams in the competition. How, how have the last four years changed Belgium, Andy? Do you think? Um, I, I think, it, yeah, a lot. Uh, I, I think Miguel's hit the nail on the head. I think um, sometimes we can look at international football and um, from a coach's perspective, forget that not, not only do you know the, the elite coaches want to work every day rather than sort of semi-intermittently, there's so much more money in club football. Like Belgium don't have the money to go. Like Roberto Martinez is basically the best they can get. I, I don't really see where they, they, they go from there because, you know, you look at, say, Chenyol Gunez, who um, like was in charge of a, a failing Turkey team at the last European Championships. He was on about three, three and a half million a year. And he was, he was, he was the highest paid coach at the tournament. 
uh, I think you find. And that was part of the reason that it was such outrage in Turkey. Obviously, I'd never overreact to failures anyway. Um, but, um, you know, I think that was that was part of it, you know, that he was paid so much and they, 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 they felt undercoached. But, you know, you're dealing with limited resources and the, and the Belgian FA are, are very much one of those FAs that do not have bottomless pockets. But Martinez, I think if you go back to that 2018 World Cup, like tactically, he got it so right against Brazil in the quarterfinal. And I think that's really underrated. Like, like people can forget what a brilliant job he, he did there, you know, to beat a better team just by outsmarting the other coach. He, he did a great job. And uh, yeah, it does seem simplistic to talk about the age, but it, but, it, but it is a huge part of it. And it's not just in terms of where they are physically. But the mood of the, the squad, I think, has is, is, is been extraordinary. You know, we've heard really downbeat interviews from uh, Kevin De Bruyne. I thought it was quite symbolic how he did that um, interview in The Guardian, where it was him with his wife and his kids in the photos and talking about the importance of family. Like, don't let it weigh on you when we get knocked out of this World Cup at the group stage because there are more important things in, in life sort of thing. Um, and, you know, you had Eden Hazard before the start of the tournament who's the captain, who's the most cap player, he was asked, you know, would you pick yourself at the moment? And he said, well, on the basis of the last 10 years, yes. But if you're asking who's in better form at the moment, of course I'd pick Leandro Trossard instead of me. And when you've got, you know, your, your, your most important player over the last decade, your most decorated player, your most talented player, give or take De Bruyne, um, it's just an indication of, where he's at at the moment, not just in terms of his physical capacity, but that mental feeling of like going into a World Cup thinking we can't do this. I think that's quite heavy in an emotional context. I suppose one of the moments, Andy touched on Trossard there. Those of us who have seen him play for Brighton will wonder why he was brought on as a sub rather than starting out against uh, Morocco. But that aside, you know, the, the manager makes his choices for all sorts of reasons. But the one that's the oddest one is Eden Hazard at 31 years old being replaced by a 35-year-old in Dries Mertens. Um, he had one crack at goal. I'll give him that. Um, which, if it come up, uh, uh, if it come off, we wouldn't be sort of like questioning that. But if you've got an aged team, why bring an even older person on? No, no. It's, I suppose it's ultimately about what's coming true, isn't it? I mean, because I was talking to someone connected to the Belgium camp the other day, that there actually is a good talent behind, but they're just not ready yet. That, that, that's it. And Mertens is objectively in better form over the last couple of years than Eden Hazard age or not you know he's, he's played pretty well for Galatasaray last season um, you, you know he's Napoli's top scorer of all time um, he, he's someone who's, who's more likely to score you a goal than Eden Hazard at, at, at this point in time but you know with Lukaku in the stand as well you know th- there must be that huge feeling that it's, it's just not happening How do you compare that to Croatia uh their nemesis, if you like, in this, or one of the nemeses in this tournament. Um, Croatia have an ageing team as well, led by Luka Modric at the age of, what, is he 37 now or something like that? And yet they seem to be coming on form at the right time in this World Cup. Why, why, when you compare that, you know, Belgium and Croatia, how do you explain that? 
I mean, you, you look at Modric as the cornerstone, and <clears throat> quite rightly so, because his form over the last couple of years has been better than when he won the Ballon d'Or, which um, I think we talked about on, on OTC before. But, you know, you look at, he's got Brozovic, who's 30, Kovacic, who's, who's 28. You know, these are guys who are hugely experienced. And, you know, with Spain, it's probably the best midfield three in the World Cup. But but they're experienced, not old, it, it, it feels to me. And, of course, they've lost some big players since um, the last World Cup. Um, Rakitic, Mandzukic, Shubashic. But, but they seem, I don't know what you think, Miguel, but that they seem a little bit further forward in terms of, in terms of renewing than, than Belgium. Yeah, I think definitely. But, but not that far forward, maybe. I, I think there was an element... Uh, yeah, mm. and I did watch this in a media centre. Um, as as Andy knows, it's not always the most perfect setting to watch a game, as much as he tries <laughs> it. Uh, but um, I mean, th- I thought there was an element of just uh, actually taking advantage of Canada as an experience, um, and just the Croatians being a bit more canny about knowing when to pick them off. Because uh, I worked out, I wasn't impressed with them in their first game. Um, it does, I mean, again, famous last words, especially given what happened four years ago. It does feel like there could be a little bit of a last 16 team Croatia. I mean, they're pretty much true now, um, especially given the goal difference. But yeah, I, w- I would agree that that bit further along, it's a, it's a kind of constant Croatian conveyor belt, isn't it? I mean, it's a, one of the most fertile areas in Europe, given the size of the country for footballers. How far do you reckon Belgium will go, though, Miguel, in this tournament? Well, I mean, it all comes down to the next game, but... I'm tempted to think they're out. I think that that, that result in Morocco was so damaging. Uh, they've got so little going forward. Um, and I mean, they, they, the one thing that will be said, I suppose, that's one of the tighter groups. But um, but I'd have doubts for them. Another of the great matchups, I think, anyway, at this World Cup, <laughs> is Portugal versus Uruguay for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, there is the drama of uh, a certain Cristiano Ronaldo in the midst of all of this as well. But Uruguay looked like a, a team that is chomping at the bits as well. Um, and you can see that being a cracking match as we speak. Obviously, the match is on tonight, etc. Um, but let's start with Portugal, which is, I suppose, in many ways, Andy, um, your comfort zone in terms of knowing the players and the team as well. What do you make of them so far in the World Cup? I thought they were absolutely shambolic against Ghana, to be honest. Um, they were hauled out of it by... A- five, ten-minute spell where some highly talented individuals, namely Joao Felix and Rafael Lau, with a bit of Bruno Fernandes added in there, um, pulled it together. I, um, I I don't feel like they're going to go very far in this tournament, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, there, there are a number of things to address. I think the equilibrium of the team is all over the place. Um, I think one of the things, and one of the things that Bernardo Silva was... Um, asked about in, in, in the press conference yesterday was, you know, his role against Ghana. Because in the very first minute of that game, he's dribbling the ball in his own penalty box and he never gets that much further forward. So if I'm a if I'm an opposition coach or player and I see Bernardo Silva as a little dot in the distance, I'm delighted with that. He can't hurt you from there, can he? You know, if he's close to your penalty box, he can he can hurt you. I understand he's got the ability to play a bit a bit deeper in midfield. And I guess there's an argument that that 
would be required against Uruguay, which is it's very much their area of strength, of course, with Valverde and Bentancur. I, I kind of feel that's what this game will hinge on um, because, you know, as Fernando Santos put it yesterday, the Portugal coach, very bluntly, well, Cavani and Suarez are a bit older now, aren't they? And, you know, that's, that's an understatement, I, I, I think. But, you know, they're, they're looking at building Uruguay around Valverde now. And, you know, he is a player who, if he is allowed to, to dominate, could, could really swing this game. So Portugal will, I think, make some changes in midfield. They need Bernardo a little bit further forward um, to link with that front two, which will probably be Joao Felix and, 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 and Cristiano Ronaldo. But I, I feel like Portugal are busking this a little bit, if I'm being perfectly honest. It got the result against Ghana, I suppose, Miguel. But when their coach starts talking about how old Luis Suarez is and Cavani is, Edison Cavani, you suspect that that might be, that might come back to haunt him at some point. They may be old, but... Well, it does point to a split in this competition. I mean, Suarez so was not effective in the last game. He looked a bit... <laughs> he looked his age. Uh, and it's, it points a bit of a split in this competition, especially given the teams we've been talking about in the last few minutes, between these kind of young, fresh squads and then those still relying on experience um, and some with some groups pretty much falling down along, along those lines. Uh, I mean, I agree with Andy um, on Portugal, uh, and I think they benefited from just the chaos that the game became. Uh, and it kind of allowed them to free themselves a bit. We don't really see under Santos, uh, but that was very much down to... to the state of the game. Uh, I don't think they particularly deserve to win. And yet suddenly, there is, there is a possibility that this draw could open up for them uh, should they finish top. But, um, I, I mean, again, because we could have a situation where it's basically Spain and Brazil in the quarters if both, both topped their group. But, um, yeah, they've got to get through this. Uh, to sound like... I my, brain, my brain is so... I've gone to games the last few days. I can't even remember who sang that song. Was that, was that Daniel Bedingfield? Yeah. I'll um, let you have that one. You're the Daniel Bedingfield expert for today. I'm not sure about that. This is a genuine 50-50 game, but just for the fact that it's, uh, it's a match between two kind of teams that are almost halfway houses, but unfortunately maybe less so, uh, and but that we don't know where it's difficult to, to read into the first game as well. Portugal have lost Daniel Pereira, uh, Andy, but also you could argue the other side of this conundrum is that Uruguay have gone something like 465 minutes without conceding a goal in the group stage of the World Cup. Now, I didn't do those sums. There are people who pay loads of money to work that one out. It's led to five consecutive <laughs> clean sheets in the group stage. Surely, given that record, they've got to be favourites in this, haven't they? Um, I'm not quite sure. I think it's quite evenly balanced. And I, I think we could read a little bit too much into historic records because, as we said, so much has changed since 2018 in Russia. Remember, Uruguay knocked Portugal out in the the last 16 in, in Russia in Sochi a game I was at and, and deserve to and I think if we're talking about them defensively the difference between Uruguay now and four years ago they can defend from the front 
with Suarez and Cavani. And that makes a massive difference to what they can do because those are two strikers who you get an incredible amount of industry out of. Now, Cavani's still trying to give that. I don't think he's at his fittest. Well, he's not at his fittest at the, at the moment. Suarez is physically shot. As, as, as Miguel was saying, um, you know, he was just shuffling around the, the pitch as befits a man who has been on the, the, the wane for a while, who's had knee issues and who's been playing Uruguayan domestic football for the last six months. Um, obviously, Darwin can add a little bit to that. He's very industrious forward in that Uruguayan, that recent Uruguayan tradition as, 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 as well. And the other part of that, I suppose if we're looking at matchups, with Danilo being out with those three broken ribs, as, as, as you pointed out, um, he's going to be replaced by Pepe, one of our favourite World Cup villains, of course. Um, 40 in February, um, but described by Santos as a monstro, simply a monster going into that game. He's, he's still like... <laughs> He's still of a really good quality. I don't think there's any, at 39. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The thing is, he's coming off injury as well. So that against an inform Darwin, I think Ruben Diaz is going to have to bring his his A game, and the midfield's just going to need to be better balanced. I think I feel like William. It feels like William Cavalier will will start this game because they need that that better balance in in midfield. But you know, the, the, Portugal have have been a team where so many players are playing out of their regular club position and it's been so dysfunctional given the, the, the talent available I find them quite hard to believe in it's just I'm not fully invested in Uruguay ever watch along though it'll be great <laughs> oh yeah no we're definitely going to watch particularly the passing of one generation to another Miguel from mm. uh, from Suarez to Darwin that's got to be evolution <laughs> that's a David cartilage uh, joke I apologise I, 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 I had to nick it I'm sorry I don't think David's the only one who's done that one <laughs> <laughs> no doubt but my real question is what can we expect from Portugal this tournament again it comes back I suppose, to what I was saying where a team can't, might, might be fairly unconvincing but the draw can just work in their favour the, the bracket which, which is possible with Portugal given that it feels like about the kind of third or fourth tournament in, in, in sequence now where if all the top places go as we expect, one side of it is extremely lopsided in terms of heavyweights and where the kind of best sides are. And that, that suddenly could open the way for Portugal or Germany as well, uh, even when they're not at a particularly good point in their trajectory as a team. Uh, but again, it all will depend on, in fact, it pretty much feels like that entire group and therefore that in the almost entire side of the draw comes down to this match with Uruguay and this battle between um, mostly older faces, but then that young talent trying to push them out. Uh, and like, I mean, Darwin, for all, for all his issues at Liverpool and even in this tournament in the opening game, he's electric to watch, to be fair. There's just something... <laughs> it's, 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 hard, it's hard for you yeah. not, not to be drawn towards him. I, I feel this is an interesting role reversal with... Um... Miguel finding finding the silver lining here for Portugal, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, um, I, I'm not convinced. I, I think the the interesting thing is, I suppose, if Portugal get out of the group stage, can Cristiano Ronaldo play himself into some sort of presentable nick? Because um, you know, I think we might have mentioned this before in the ramble, but um, 
De Bruyne, who's been very eloquent in this tournament off the pitch, if if, if not quite on it as, as he would want to, you know, he, he said after he got the man of the match against Canada, I'm not man of the match. I, I think someone's given this to me so they can speak to me because you're obliged as the man of the match to speak to the host broadcaster afterwards. Um, uh, and he, he hit the nail on the head because Cristiano Ronaldo got man of the match against Ghana. <laughs> and then they dragged him out of interview semi-retirement to, 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 to have a few words. And, you know, he was, he was so far off it. I understand that Ronaldo is not at his peak, but he's also not the best he can possibly be at the moment because he didn't have a pre-season and he hasn't played enough for, for Manchester United. Um, not that he's particularly deserved to, 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 to be in that 11 for a, for a lot of the season. Um, if, if he can get into a place where he can make the most of chances and he, he, wasn't, he just physically wasn't able to do that because he's not match fit enough in that first game against Ghana. I think that's an interesting twist. I mean, more long-term... I think they've they've got the Ronaldo successor already in Joao Felix, and you know, don't, I don't need to sell it to you. I know you're a massive fan like like me, but the thing that's always missed about Joao Felix, uh, Atletico, as well as with Portugal, is that he can do that number nine stuff. You know, you look at the way he heads the ball. You look at that goal against Manchester United in the Champions League last season. The fact that he can dominate on the on the penalty spot and and and, and on the around around the six yard line. I think you look at. Um, the, the finish, the way he took that against Ghana as well, which was the only really presentable chance that he has. I think a little bit like Belgium, not quite like Belgium because they've, they've got more like germane talent, but certainly in terms of Fernando Santos and his range surely must be over after this tournament. I, I think they need uh, they need to be looking towards the future. That needs to be the thing for for Portugal. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.